You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hello, everyone. This is Connie and welcome to today's episode of Awaken Radio. I am really excited about this conversation. We're opening up a conversation today about self-love, but we're going to be taking a bit of a different approach to what we've taken on Awaken Radio before, so I hope this will be really supportive for you. What we're going to do is is take a much more empowering approach. So sometimes with self-love on this show, it's been really about your own inner work and your practices for you to sort of build that relationship with yourself, and that's definitely what we're chatting about today. But I really want to take the approach of helping you guys step out into the world now with this space of self-love and stepping into your power and creating your life from this space, really creating a life on your terms. So the guest that I have today on the show is the perfect person to talk to this about. And this is Amy Smith from The Joy Junkie. And I chose Amy for this conversation because... If you, if you go onto her website, you'll, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about here. She's so real. She's so authentic. And everything about her message and her energy and her branding uh, is so her. And she just shows up unapologetically as, as herself, which I know so many of us really, really struggle to do. So for those of you who don't know Amy, she's a certified and credentialed life coach, masterful speaker and relationship and personal empowerment expert. Owner and founder of Joy Junkie Enterprises, Amy uses her roles as coach, writer, and speaker to move individuals beyond limiting beliefs and sabotaging mindsets to a place of radical personal empowerment and self-love. Co-founder of the selfloverevolution.com, Amy has been instrumental in aiding hundreds of women in stepping into their authentic power to craft lives they desire. She's a highly sought is highly sought after for her uncommon style of reverence, wisdom and humor and has been featured expert on the Fox 5 San Diego and yourtango.com. Amy, welcome. Thank you so much for being here with me. <laughs> Thank you. I, just hearing you read that, I'm like, oh, I sound like a badass. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you, know, you don't often read your own bio or hear it, you know, and so then when you hear it, you're like, oh. Yeah. And maybe. when someone reads it out in that way, you know, you're like, yeah, that, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm the shit. <laughs> absolutely. And that's, that's why I've got you on here, because you are. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm so, so passionate about this particular topic and excited to share what I can with everyone. Yeah, awesome. And and I always say on this show that, that the guests that I choose to come on um, and the topics that I choose to speak to them about is when I can feel that they are really authentically actually living this concept. You know, I, I don't want to talk to people who just know this stuff and I can sure. feel that you, you fully live and breathe this. So uh, this is going to be a beautiful conversation. Really excited. Yeah. Yeah. So as a starting point, uh, I think it's really nice for people to get a bit of an insight into the journey, uh, you know, that you've walked on or that the people walk on to get to where they are, because it's easy for someone to come across your work or your website and be like, wow, she's like mastered this self-love stuff and she's so empowered and she's living on her terms and, and that's amazing. But people don't always get to see the journey that you've gone on. And so I'm just curious with you whether this has been something that you've always felt or whether there were times you haven't felt this this level of love within yourself and how you've kind of um, grown that over, over the years. 
That's a great, great question. Because I think, I think oftentimes, um, especially those of us who deal in like a digital format where we have these online personas and platforms, people think that it's always been that way. <laughs> I, I know, yep. Yep. And it, it really isn't. Like, if you saw me right now, I'm not a stitch of makeup on. I sure as fuck don't look like my headshot that you see. <laughs> um, I'm in my jammies still. Like, from well, I, I did put on some jewelry. I, put, I did brush my teeth and all of that stuff. But my point is, is that, you know, there's that great quote, and I can't recall who it's by, but um, about how we are always comparing our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. Mm-hmm. And that that's truly what it is. Like everybody puts this amazing, their best foot forward. And then it's so interesting to see what's really behind the scenes there. And I, that's something that's extremely important to me to be very transparent about because I want everybody to understand that this journey, whether it's dealing with fear, dealing with personal empowerment, um, cultivating courage, dealing with negative self-talk, you're never done. You never arrive. You are always, always, always learning and developing. Um, And if you think you've arrived, you've stopped learning, which is such a sad place to be. So to answer your question, um, my goodness, I think for many people, they could probably relate to this, that there's usually some sort of climax or situation in their lives where shit hits the fan and inside you say something's got to change. And it's very different for everyone. It could be a divorce. It can be a job situation. It could be a friendship that's gone awry. Um, It could be a very simple realization one day that you have been a doormat for the people in your life. It really comes in different forms. For me, it was very much in the avenue of an unfulfilling career. And I always had a wisdom and kind of an understanding of deeper things, but I definitely was not connecting the the mind to the spirit where I was really feeling that strongly about the woman that I was. And I was working in cosmetics and kind of working my way up the corporate ladder and very much had a big girl job and, you know, the company car and the assistant and, you know, all this, all the shit that looks good on paper. Mm. And I really, truly was dying a slow death. And I remember driving home in a So I was unhappy, you know, let me just preface that. And I realized that I was slaving away kind of for someone else's dream and it really wasn't mine any longer. And I was driving home in that dreaded company car and I started listening to music and it was, it was Kelly Clarkson's breakaway. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how music translates (laughs) with you guys, like (laughs) if, if it's current, I don't know. Um, but it's this whole, you know, notion of, you know, breaking away from these chains and whatnot. And it dawned on me that it had been ages, probably years, since I had l- even listened to music in my car because I was always working. We w- I would spend all of my time in the car um, on voicemail. And that was like the major primary communication method at the time with this company. So I was leaving voicemail after voicemail for all my artists and my managers and my, you know, all the different team members. And it was constantly, that was my identity. And that's everything was enveloped therein. 
And so here I am and I'm driving this car and I'm hearing this like empowering music and I'm, it's hitting me that I'm doing nothing for myself, nothing to advance my dreams. My relationships aren't stronger. My health isn't better. Um, my spirituality is pretty much non-existent. Fun and recreation was like not even on the radar. And I just started bawling and I had mascara and false lashes like sliding down my face. <laughs> it was quite traumatic. And I remember getting home and, you know, I walk in the door and I look really quite scary. And my husband was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I remember holding up my fingers, you know, kind of gesturing like I was making a small, like showing somebody a tiny measurement. And I said, honey, I am this close to completely losing who I am. And I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And for me, that was the realization. That was really the genesis of taking back the reins to my life. And it's had such an evolution during that time. Um, But that was when I realized I don't want to have all of who I am invested in one category of my life. I am way too versatile as a human to be defined by my job title. And that's it. I'm, there's so many other things that I am, but I've neglected them because I've allowed myself to, to be so enveloped by this career. And I think many people do that. I think it's extremely common in careers and also in parenthood. And or or truly, anytime you're in a caretaking, you know, even if you took took on caretaking for an ailing parent or something like that, um, I think it's so easy for us to lose any other element of who we are into something that demands every waking second, and that presents everything as urgent, presents everything as emergency. So, I digress, but that was. That was truly, truly the genesis. And I would say that was about maybe 10 years or so ago. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it was very much kind of like a quarter life crisis. And I um, threw myself into every workshop and uh, coaching programs and all sorts of things until I was really clear that this is what, what I <coughs> needed to do as a profession as well. Sorry, I'm just choking. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just dying over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I love about what you shared is that I think what most of us are doing in those situations, and you can let me know if this is what you're experiencing, is we're learning that when I have this identity and when I play this role and when I have this um, you know, career or even motherhood or whatever I'm doing, that's how I to some extent, get get love from the world. So we're very externally focused in those moments, being like, I've got to strive and achieve and become something and have this identity. And that's how I'm sort of meeting my needs for validation and acceptance and belonging and love. And, and versus the switch that then comes when we recognize all that stuff has to start to come from within us. Did you feel you were kind of striving for something through that career? Yes, you know, that's... That's a great, great point. Um, and it's something that I don't know if we'll ever really entirely remove that from ourselves mm-hmm. because I I think it's very important to be aware of, for sure. Uh, but I do think there's something bizarre in our 
wiring um, to attain, 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 to do, to do, to do. So I think there's a space to have compassion Mm. for kind of how we're wired and at the same time recognize that that really is quite a futile attempt at happiness. And that's really where I was at. I had really defined happiness as looking a very specific way in a career, right? Like I will be happy when I can check off all these boxes and everybody has it. And almost always it's external. It's when I get this degree, when I get this soulmate, when I have this baby, when I have this home, when I have this career, what, like all these things that we say, this must equate my happiness. Mm -hmm. And, um, something that I do quite a bit in my work is look at untangling the collapse of our self-worth and our goals. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting a baby or wanting a soulmate or a house or a um, thriving career. But what we do is we collapse that with how worthy we are. And that's, that's the problem is that those are two totally different things. Um, so yeah, Mm. I, I definitely was in that place. Like I'm valuable as long as I have this you know, flourishing career. Yeah. And I would say so many people, um, experience that and you're exactly right. Then there comes a moment where we kind of, we're doing this and sometimes it works for a while. Like sometimes maybe when we're starting out in these careers and we're having success and we're like, yeah, this is feeling really good, but it's not sustainable. And that chasing and that chasing and the, the, um, the up and down impact it has on how you feel about yourself is, is not sustainable either because People will will eventually read a, reach a breaking point emotionally when their um, their sense of their own worth is is so volatile and is so out of their control based on what's happening outside of them. And and I think you've just nailed a really really uh, important part of this. And and when we're talking about power as well, where in those moments we're giving all of our power away to things outside of us and and losing our own power in terms of seeing what is worthy and valuable in us separate to what is happening outside of us. So how did you, I mean, obviously you dived into all of this, these workshops and these books and this work, but how did you begin then to unhook? Because um, surely as you went through the process of letting go of that career, it would have brought up some pretty uncomfortable feelings for you now because you would have had to redefine self-worth and how you felt about yourself. Sure. And um, I think this really warrants talking about grief in a way Mm. um, where you really have to, well, I'll just share from my personal experience. I really had to grieve the loss of that career, even though I was totally still there. I was still climbing the corporate ladder. I was still going to these workshops while I was still involved in this business. But I had to mourn the loss of what I thought that was. Mm. Um, And I think many times we reserve grief for things we deem worthy. Like I am allowed to grieve if somebody dies or if there's grave illness or I'm going through a divorce, but we don't allow ourselves to grieve loss, period, that we are invested in things. I mean, I do, um, this is just a side note, but I do community theater in some of my uh, spare time. And if I don't get a role that I'm invested in that I really want, I, 
fucking bawl my eyes out. Like I let <laughs> myself grieve. Yeah. And I realized that when I tried to surmount it with all my, you know, peppy self-help talk. And I was like, you're just going to be proud of the woman that you are and, and however you showed up and you are more than this role and blah, blah, blah. And that, and I then was overcome with sadness and I realized I didn't allow for humanity. I needed to really give myself that freedom to mourn. There was something I wanted, I didn't get it. Or there was something I expected and it's not going to happen. And I'm sad. And it doesn't mean I'm destroyed, but it just means I'm allowing myself to feel what I feel and I put a container around it. So that's one component of it. Yes. There, there was a season for me that was quite sad because I had a trajectory, you see. Like I had a very distinct vision of where I was going to go with this company. And I was, de- I was determined. Um, and it was all stacking up that way. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of going like, it was mourning the loss of like that desire. Oh my God, this is no longer my goal. And just allowing myself to kind of be sad about that, to be sad that you have to start over. Mm. You know, that's not always fun, you know, and usually it's more painful before it gets exciting, right? So like (laughs) you need to, you need to allow yourself the expanse to feel whatever you feel throughout the journey. Right. So, so that was one huge component of it. Um, and then I was quite fortunate in the way that right at the beginning of all of this, my, my husband, it was funny because he knew that I was really looking for a different career alternative. And so he came home one day and he said, Hey babe, I heard this person on the radio and it is absolutely like a career. You have to do this. It was called a life coach. (laughs) And it's like, this is like, you know, like 10 years ago before everyone was a life coach. And, (laughs) um, and I, I was like, Oh really? And he had felt so strongly about it that he had actually sent away to a school that he felt I needed to go to. Well, they ultimately deemed that I was far too young and uh, was not, didn't have nearly enough experience to go through their program, their entire coaching program, which was actually a blessing in itself. However, they would permit me to go on this weekend retreat in Santa Barbara, California, which was beautiful. And that really was one of the most life-changing experiences for me because they really introduced, and I'm sure you've seen it before and a lot of coaching models have it, where they kind of have uh, like a, sometimes they call it the wheel of life or, yeah. you know, quadrants or or even, I guess it's more than quad, uh, eight different sections of your life or seven different, you know, and so you start looking at like, okay, I have a relationship to other people, to an intimate connection, to friends and family, to my money, to my career, to fun and recreation, to my health, to my spirituality. And you, so you start, that for me was, holy shit, there is so much more to me besides this little sliver of the pie that was my career. And so just that light switch of like, there's all these other delicious pieces of the pie that you can sink your teeth into. And that's when I realized in order to do that, I would have to scale down, not just on the time put into that career, but also the energy 
because it, it had completely encompassed my entire energetic frequency. Like I thought about it all the time. I was just, I was never really off. I was never off the clock. Um, so it really, that really changed things significantly for me. And at that point I really began crafting my exit strategy, you know, and, and figuring out how can I leave this and and it took me many many years, you know, many years and lots of ups and downs and not sure and all of that. But I I've always had such a penchant for for learning and growing and developing myself and trying to find wisdom where I can. And and I you know and I I feel the void. I definitely feel the void if I'm not if I'm not reading if I'm not working with a group if I'm not mentoring or being mentored or etc. Mm. I love what you're sharing because I I, um, I know so many people who have, have built up to these careers and have these moments where they're like, okay, this isn't for me, but then they're kind of at a loss to what they would do otherwise uh, because it's a completely, as you said, you've been living your whole life for this one destination and all of a sudden that's not your destination anymore. And I love that something so effortlessly lined up for you um, straight after it. And sometimes that happens, you know, when we ask loud enough, the universe will just deliver the message of, of what our next step is. Um, but did you experience any, any fear within yourself or fear of others judgment as you started to, cause it sounds like what happened is, as you started to come closer into you and, um, explore other areas of your life and get to know yourself a bit more and all these different facets of you in your life and, and listen to yourself more about, you know, what you actually wanted to be doing, you know, you started to build a much more authentic, uh, relationship with yourself and, and sometimes then from that space, we get called to take new actions, to change our careers, to transition out of that job and to do things differently, to maybe hang out with different types of people. And a lot of people bump up against, at that point, massive fear of either not belonging anymore or sure. being judged by others or, you know, particularly, I know the same as you, I wanted to be a life coach 12 years ago and, and everyone told me I was in a cult and I was weird because... <laughs> Because I did the landmark forum and everyone's like, that's a cult. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was told I was, I was too young to be a life coach too. I was 20 years old. Um, yeah. And so that stopped me for nine years being able to go and pursue my dream. Um, did you bump up against, obviously you had the support of your husband, but did you bump up against any of that stuff? Yes. Oh my goodness, yes. And so I would say that it took me – from from that first conference that I went to, that weekend conference, mm-hmm. till the time that I actually started a business was about five years. Yeah. So there was a long-ass time. Um, and I went through a lot of stuff at, at, during that time. Um, I ended up getting coach training and tried to create a business and got super discouraged with the challenge of it mm-hmm. and completely threw in the towel and then tried other things and... Um, I had resigned out of my, you know, higher profile position within the company to a much, a much less demanding, uh, position, which enabled me the expanse to be able to start exploring and, and figuring things out. But I'll tell you what was really challenging as it came from other people's opinions, uh, when I first decided to, because I was in a trainer position, so I was really, I had a lot of team members that I was uh, kind of 
an inspiration for and mentoring quite a bit, but it was all in this arena of cosmetics and customer service and relating to other people, et cetera. And so there was a lot of, but you're so good at this, but what are we going to do without you? And a lot of, um, there was a lot, I could have easily allowed that to stop me and arrest me. And I remember writing in my journal, like I can love lipstick and powder and all these things. And it doesn't have to be my career, no matter what. And that really kind of enlightened me that we can be really, really good at things. I have no doubt that I would be an amazing mother. I have no desire. I do not want that. And I think my husband and I are the type of people who should be parents, but I don't want that. So I'm not going to fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like it's really comes down to what will light your spirit up. And sometimes it's like, I don't care what somebody else thinks is the best course of action for me. So, so at the beginning, those were the challenges. Now, it's a whole totally different set of fears. It's what if I never grow this business the way, the way that I want to. It's, it's the stopping yourself from the comparison to everybody else. Everyone else is doing it right. Everyone else is having all this success. Um, it's un- uprooted a lot of fears and insecurity around money and shit I have from my childhood that I'm like, whoa, I never thought I had money issues. You know, this is why I say you're never done. You're never done. You might have some really great little momentum moments, (laughs) but trust me, (laughs) you'll hit these other growth opportunities where you go, oh my God, I never, I thought I was done with that issue with my mom. And here I am being so invested in what she thinks of me. And, Mm. and so I really think pain, fear, discomfort. It's all a signal, right? It's a signal from our bodies. Like when our, when you, like for instance, I have knee pain. My knee pain is not there for me to get mad at my knees. My knee pain is there to go, Hey, pay attention. Something's going on. It's a signal. It's the same is true in our lives. If you have somebody who's making you feel like shit over and over again, and they're guilt tripping you like crazy, or you feel small when you're with these people, there's something going on. Like it's your responsibility not to look out there, but to look at what's happening here. What, what is so uncomfortable about this? Well, it's because I agree with them. I think I'm not worthy. Oh, well, there you go. There's some work for you to do. Um, so I don't know. I could get going on and on. <laughs> no, I, but what's so awesome about, about what you shared is what I see so many people bump up against is they've got, so they go on their little journey and they start to uncover what their heart really wants and what they love. And they're like, okay, I'm going to make a change. And it doesn't matter whether it's a change in your career or moving somewhere else or hanging out with different people or ending a relationship, whatever it is, or doing your yoga teacher training, they sort of start to get it. And they think the fact that they're feeling fear or hearing a negative voice in their mind, they think that's their reason to stop, or they think that means that something's gone wrong. And I love what you've shared because I completely agree with you and I'm you know two and a half years into running a business and I still encounter fear and negative self-talk every single day and it is not a sign that anything's gone wrong it's a beautiful indicator that we're growing and we're evolving and we're stepping outside our comfort zone and we're having to learn how to love and support and nourish ourselves 
even when fear is there and you dance with that fear and you you work through it. So I think that's a beautiful thing for um, for people to realize that nothing has gone wrong when that happens and it means you amp up your self-love practice. Um, exactly and, right. And so do you have, you know, when that starts to come in, because we get knocked down by it, what's your way that you kind of reignite the love and, and bring yourself back into that supportive, empowering space? My goodness, I have I have lots. A whole toolkit of them, yeah. Um, but I did want to just say something a little bit about fear. Yeah, cool. And this has actually been something that has allowed me to become so much more compassionate Mm. and self-loving towards myself. And it was when I really understood that fear is an antiquated motivator. It was something that we embodied as in a primitive state, right? Like as cave dwellers, when clear and present danger was all around us. I mean, we even know psychologically that the reason many people have fears of heights is because Back in the day before there were skyscrapers and things like that to be afraid of heights about, you were climbing up a tree to save your life. There was a real danger to being up high. You would probably fall to your death. Mm. So there's a lot of things like that that evolutionarily we see that we still have. So how that translates now with fear is we experience the same emotions as though we were actually in danger. So one of the things that I really try to remember is just because I'm feeling fear does not mean that I'm necessarily in danger at all. So I, I remember hearing somebody, I can't recall who it was, but they were talking about, you know, kind of this wasted emotion that we have of fear. And I really feel I don't know if it has to be necessarily that dramatic, but <laughs> but if you think about somebody walking from point A to point B, and let's say from point A to point B, they have to go through you know a really dark alley at night, and they spend the entire duration of that walk just totally overcome by fear, and then they get home and they're safe. So that entire time, they were spent in a frequency that really, really wasn't necessary. Now, if somebody comes at you with a knife, then yes, of course, be afraid. That is what it was designed to do. It's designed to heighten your awareness and protect yourself. However, we use that emotion all the time when it's when we are not in danger, when we're not, it's not warranted. Now, there's tons of different ways to take this. This is not saying go put yourself in a dark alley at night or go do negligent behavior where crime is likely or where getting hurt is likely because I do think it's about tapping into your fear in each moment and going, what is this telling me? Sometimes you might be in danger. I just heard somebody talking about they had this notion that this person who was coming to the store might do something dangerous Mm -hmm. and it was their intuitive hit about I might be currently in danger. Then we also have these fears about What if people don't like me? What if I'm not accepted? What if I make a fool of myself? What if I'm embarrassed? What if I'm the fattest one at the party? What, you know, and we're not actually in danger. So it takes a little excavating and looking at. So the way that that really parallels to my self care and self love is I will always 
first go into my body and have compassion for what's happening. So a great example of this is if I'm doing a, an audition, um, because that's very realistically where my body's response is very heightened. It's where the heart is beating really fast. My hands are, you know, I'm starting to sweat. I get dry mouth. So physically I'm feeling the preparedness of fear. Like you're in danger, body, you're in danger. So I will sit there, right, you know, or stand there right before I have to go on stage and I'll talk to my body and say, thank you so much for preparing us. Thank you so much for being so on top of it. But I want you to know we are not in danger and it's okay. I've got this. We are going to be safe. You have a beautiful monologue prepared. You have strong legs. You can feel underneath you, you know, and so I will turn the love to my body, even though I know that the responses are actually archaic. They're actually from a a time that has long passed. Um, but we still have those things, right? Um, so, so that's one huge way, uh, you know, so two things first looking at what is this fear really about? Am I really in danger or is this about something else? And then also giving yourself the compassion to feel what you feel like, okay, I get it. You're scared of your own survival. You're scared of being accepted into the fold, which is like if you weren't accepted into tribes and such like like that, it meant death. There's yeah. a reason why we value acceptance now. I'm as you can see, I, I'm I love this stuff. It like fascinates yeah. me to no end the chronology of our um, existence, really. So, but a lot of that stuff is room for compassion. Yes, and that and that is self love. I love what you're sharing because it's exactly what I do as well. Um, I have the same feelings that you experience around auditioning. I experience around public speaking, and I love yes. the I love the bizarre thing about it is that is that the thing we love doing the most often brings the most mm-hmm. fear along with it, um, which mm-hmm. is often a challenging thing to navigate. But so you know, my experience has been the exact same as you. So when I'm I'm sitting up there and I'm preparing for a workshop, um, and I'm feeling all that stuff and I check in and I ask that exact question you've 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 asked it is it's a fear of being judged and it's a fear of what if this isn't good enough and what if people don't get value out of it and then and then I ask myself well what am I what would I make that mean about me if that happened and I'm like that would mean I'm not good enough and I'm not a success in my business and I'm not providing value and and people you know um will will think that I'm um not good at what I do. And it, it's, you realize it's this whole thing around being, uh, losing love and feeling not good enough, which I think is one of our, our deepest fears in this day and age. And I do the exact same thing you do. And I have my little self-soothing practices. And so I'll, I'll be like, okay, Connie, we need, to, we need to support you here. And I'll set up a little space in my room and I'll light some candles and I'll have some herbal tea and I might bring my oracle cards to get some guidance. And I'll sure. just tune in with my body, same as you, and be like, what is this? Okay, there's a knot in my tummy and I'm, and I'm just going to breathe through that. And it's okay, Con, you're scared. You're about to put yourself out there and share your biggest dreams with other people. And it's okay to be scared about that. And, and exactly right, you take that gentle, loving, supportive stance rather than what most of us do, which is just go into self-criticism even more. Like, oh, I'm a life coach. I shouldn't be experiencing fear. You know, I should be able to get over this by now. Um, right. And uh, I just think that's, it's, it's, 
and it's a moment-to-moment practice of right. tuning into yourself and listening and learning how to support yourself even when you're terrified. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's something else that you said that I think is so important to notice is we will take one small circumstance or situation like mm. let's say you got up and you failed miserably and you spit on someone on accident and you do you know what I mean like let's say it was horrible and so what we do is we take one set of circumstances one situation and we collapse that and catastrophize it and make it like it is the entirety of our existence and identity think about how much bigger you are than one conversation, than one interaction, than even one year of your life. Mm. Like we are so much more expansive. So that's something else that I would offer everyone listening to look at is what, what am I saying about one set of circumstances? That's not who you are. That's one blip in time. You are a collective. Mm. Of so many things on a spiritual plane, emotional plane, mental plane, physical plane. So that tiny little blip, it's just, it's just that. And if it's amazing, it's just that. Mm-hmm. Like that's the other thing that we do is we go, well, if it's successful, then I must be worthy. No. Then it was just an amazing interaction. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so it's, it's really watching that collapse of how you're defining yourself. Well, you have a, choo- you have a choice to, to make a meaning out of that situation or frame that situation in, in, in any way you want. So say I, sure. ran a, say I ran a two-hour workshop and maybe 10 minutes in, I stumbled my words, but the rest of it was pretty perfect. I could sit there and be like, I'm going to make this mean I'm a failure and I'm going to hone in on that one little point where I made a mistake and I'm going to create this whole meaning that I failed and then I'm going to beat up on myself and then I'm going to get scared and never run workshops again. Or I could, one, just be proud of myself for the mere fact that I got up there because most people are petrified of this type of stuff or auditions too. I mean, they're huge. Uh, Two, you focus on the 99% of the time that you actually did something freaking amazing. And three, you just love yourself regardless because you're human and everyone makes mistakes and none of us are perfect. And I think that's the empowering part when we realize we get to choose what we focus in on, what we make yes. it mean, what we tell ourselves. Um, that event was just it's just an event. It was just neutral. And then I come along and create all the stories. And I think that's an empowering aspect when people realize they can flip their entire experience of someone, of something, and reframe it completely based on how they're looking at it, right? That's, that's an incredible thing to be able to do. Well, I mean, exactly. Like if you... If you take that old adage, and I don't know if you guys have this, but the whole like glass is half full, half Mm, empty, right? Yeah. I always say it's the same fucking glass. It's the same (laughs) glass. It's the same glass. But one person chooses a focus of full and another chooses a focus of empty. That is 100% the responsibility of the viewer. So it's the same is true for... Uh, let's say in an intimate partnership, in a relationship, if you are focused on all of the lack, if you are focused on the scarcity of, let's say, your partner not helping out around the house, not doing the things that that you really want or that you've talked about, guess what you're going to focus on? 
guess what you are going to gather more evidence of? Yeah. What if you shifted your focus just in that small instance to what they do do in the household or what they are providing? Even if it's, you know, working all day to help to support your household. What if your focus was there? And I'm not saying try to pretend like, you know, everything is shit and glitter if it's not. Like, I I definitely believe in um, addressing things that need to be addressed for sure. But I also think we have a responsibility what we're gathering evidence for. Mm. And I, I, I noticed this really recently. Um, about a year ago, we brought my, my mother-in-law to live with us to help her get through um, some health concerns. And I started really focusing on all of the shit that was changing in my world, in my environment, having to move out of my office, you know, um, she brought birds with her and I was just so focused on how loud the birds were. And, you know, my focus was on the lack. It was on all the shit that I didn't like. Yeah. And it affected my reality, right? Because I'm grumpy or I'm upset or I'm this and that. But if I shifted my focus, which I really had to, um, it, it's almost like a workout, like getting thin, like really commit, like you have to commit mm. to that new focus. And I was focused on what are all the beautiful things that I have? What do I still have in total abundance? What are the amazing comforts that I still do have? What are the great, amazing interactions that I have with her? What are the beautiful evenings that we get to have the three of us just hanging out and chatting? That all existed before. I just wasn't looking for it. I wasn't trying to gather that evidence. So start searching out evidence to support the reality that you want. Yes, yes, yes. That is so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love, that is exactly how I see things and it is so true. And this is where I want to bring in the conversation around comparison because comparing ourselves is just one of the many ways that we are building evidence for what we don't really want. We're building evidence saying, I'm not good enough, someone else is better than me. And the more that we believe that, the more you're going to notice other people's successes and the more you're going to focus in on your own failure and then the more you're going to create that. Um, And and similar with comparison, you can completely reframe that by changing uh, the way you're focusing on it and and what you're making it mean about you. But, But I absolutely love what you said because people need to realize exactly what you said. You are constantly bringing in evidence to match your belief systems, to match what you're telling yourself, to match match what the you're sending the message to your brain saying this is the truth I'm a failure this is the truth this massive change has happened and I'm unhappy and your brain goes okay cool let's find more evidence to prove that to you (laughs) so that is that is a golden nugget right there oh it's so true and you know with comparison in particular this is one where I want everybody to get really clear what you are allowing when it comes to comparison, because here's what it usually looks like. <laughs> it's like, let's say it's a body, right? And yeah. you get a Victoria's Secret magazine. Mm. You, you see the cover of the magazine and you go, holy shit, I don't look like that. And then what do you do? You don't stop. You don't put the magazine down. You keep opening and then you keep, well, oh my God, look at her thighs. And look at her boobs and look at this and you keep going and then you jump online and you start comparing yourself to all these other people you went to high school with and look how skinny. 
we are with our behaviors, we foster more and more self-loathing. So if you are triggered by, you know, by Victoria's Secrets magazines or media, then stop fucking subscribing to that stuff. Yeah, totally. That's on you. If you're trying to feel powerful as a single person and dating again, stop stalking your ex's Facebook page <laughs> or driving by their house. That is behavior that you are doing that doesn't make your job easy. It it sends you down this rabbit hole of constant comparison. So it's the same way like if somebody is a recovering alcoholic, they don't go to a bar and just hang out and try to work really hard to stay clean, right? You set yourself up for success. So if you know that you struggle so greatly with comparison and it happens just like such fuel when you're at your kid's baseball game, what can you do to eliminate that trigger, right? Like you just, oh my God, they're such a better parent than me or whatever. Can you have lightning focus on your child? Can you have a whole system of like checking in with what they did on each play and like recording that instead of focusing on another parent who is so much better and has all the team colors and buttons and cheerleading equipment and shit. Like it's up to you to set up your environment to fuel you. Right? Like I always say, my my colleagues and my best friends don't make me worthy. They don't make me amazing. But they sure as fuck make my job a lot easier. So I'm going to do that. Meditation, journaling, writing my gratitudes, burning incense, always being uh, reading a self-help book or a personal development podcast on my iPhone. Those are all setting up my environment for success. Mm. They don't. They don't make me valuable. They don't make me worthy, but they make Amy operate at a much higher level. So I'm going to do that. And it's it's like, well, what's, yeah, p- people need to decide what's their intention. Is their intention to focus on self-love, making themselves feel good, being a success, being in their own power, or is there, is there intention at the moment, and a lot of people living with this intention, to affirm how they're unworthy, unlovable, and not beautiful. And so in each moment, you can be um, tuning in and saying, is what I'm doing right now, is this making me feel good about myself? Am I feeling mm-hmm. more loving and more supported? Am I feeling more empowered? Am I feeling more successful? And so like what you've said, and I have it as well, I have a toolkit of things that really support me, that encourage my success, that encourage my self-love. And they're the things that I draw on, you know, if I want to be feeling better about myself and, and, um, you know, the, the people that I talk to that make me feel good, my meditation practice, my green smoothies, my Oracle cards that I, that I use being in nature, um, you know, my gratitude lists, reading emails from, from my clients who tell me, you know, how fantastic my work is. They're all the things that really build me up. And, but every now and then when you click into that low level stuff, you've got to stop and say, why, why am I on my ex's Facebook page? Why am I on Fitzbo accounts on Instagram? If all I'm doing is comparing my body, why am I looking at my colleague and just focusing on how amazing her programs are in comparison to what I'm offering and and that even that question why like why would I engage in something that makes me feel crap about myself and and we've got that responsibility to then say no I want to I want to practice love empowerment success what can I do right now what can I shift to that's going to it's going to take me into that space right Mm. right and it's 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 really nurturing 
a different belief structure. So even if, even if you can say, I want to believe that I'm worthy and, and knowing that one of the best things you can do is act like it. Like the more you fuel yourself with that, the more you will work towards that till it becomes second nature. I mean, you know how we, we always talk about, you know, if you say all these horrible things to children, like they eventually start to believe it. It becomes their reality and they become conditioned, right? It's the same is true in our adult life. If we want to relearn yeah. or learn for the first time a new way of being, we have to put that on the radar and then consciously work towards it and continue to tell ourselves that. And that can come in a lot of different forms. I know for me, it's, it's huge um, daily practices, like kind of what you were talking about as well, but also the messaging that I put in my mind. And for me, that comes in the way of um, audiobooks and regular books and podcasts and such. And that is so important to me. We, my husband and I recently got rid of cable. Like I just really wanted to become mindful of what is the messaging that I'm inundated with because I do have a choice. And one of the things that has been hugely advantageous for me with comparison in particular, because it's extremely challenging in, um, which I'm sure you can understand in our arena, in the Mm -hmm. online arena. Yes particularly in self-help where you're supposed to be so much more evolved and (laughs) apparently, (laughs) right. You're supposed to be so much more, you know, like take the high road and sometimes you just want to take the low road. And so for me, one of the things that I always tell myself over and over again is other people's success has nothing to do with me. Like I know that we've heard that like when people, whatever, anybody says about you is none of your business. You know, it's not, yeah. which is sometimes very hard to, to really grasp. But for me, just because somebody else is successful has nothing to do with whether or not I will or not, mm-hmm. or if I can write a book or not write a book or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And one of the other things that has been really beneficial for me too. And it's been a part of the personal growth is I tend to be far more triggered and go down that path of comparison and, you know, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. When I'm really not at peace with the steps I'm taking in that particular arena. So I try to shed the light on that. So I think, you know, a lot of people could relate to, let's say health and wellness, and you, you're really, really triggered because you see somebody who's so much thinner than you, or maybe they're much more of an athlete, or um, they have no ailments, or their skin is beautiful, or whatever. Sometimes that's an indication that you're not at peace with what you have or have not done for yourself mm-hmm. to tear, caretake for your own body. And it's not, um, it's very different if you're like, you know, berating yourself about beauty or, you know, things like that. But is there, is there a way that you could fuel your body with more nutrition? Is there a way that you could move and expand yourself? Is there self-care stuff? Like, do you need to go to the dentist? You know what I mean? Like, are you actually caretaking for your physical vessel? Um, So all I'm saying is sometimes those triggers are also ways to indicate where we need to caretake for ourselves. And I know for me in business, 
I'm never really, well, I, I don't say never, but I'm not nearly as triggered if I'm really at peace and happy with the work that I'm doing, with the game plan that I have in place, with having a, you know, a business model and plans. Like, I feel like I can, it's so much easier for me. Again, it's one of those things doesn't make me valuable, but it makes my job a lot easier. It's easier for me to see other people's success and be happy for them. Yep, I completely so, agree with you. Yeah, okay, that's good. That's, exact, that's <laughs> the exact same thing for me. Even a funny thing, um, one of my colleagues, he's a, a, a guy that I did my life coach training with, has been um, working in, in companies and, and charging huge amounts of money for his coaching services and he's making a lot more money than me and he's got all these opportunities. And I initially got really triggered, right, and I was really jealous. And then I stopped and I was like, First of all, Connie, maybe this is a really nice way for you to see that you're not owning your worth right now. You're actually, he's out there charging all this money and you're sitting here saying, I can't possibly charge those rates. So that was a really cool thing for me to see. And then second of all, he's out organizing meetings, kind of getting networking, chatting to people, and I'm sitting here behind my computer, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I was like, okay, maybe this is a nice little indicator that it's time for me to kind of get out in the world a little bit more. And and if I was doing what he was doing, I'm sure I would experience, oh, excuse the drilling, I'm sure I would experience similar, you know, things to him. So that's a beautiful way to look at it. That's an absolutely beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, and what you're pointing at that I think is brilliant is to go inside and look at what's there instead of immediately going to that old truth that a lot of us have, which is I'm not good enough or, you know, and we make it this grandiose truth about who we are. No, no, no. Now you can start excavating a little bit and going, what's really, what's really up for you right now? Like what's going on here? Why are you so triggered about that? Does that come from shit from your mom saying that you must be beautiful to be accepted? Or, you know, are you triggered around beauty because of that or weight loss or business or parenting or any of those other things? That's up to you to figure out what was the genesis? How can I untangle it? And what's the new way? Mm-hmm. What do I choose now? Yeah. Exactly. In this moment, take your power back. The past doesn't have to define you. You don't have to keep running the same old stories. You can make a change in this moment. Amy, it has been so incredible chatting to you. Thank you for your beautiful insights. I've absolutely loved this conversation. And it sounds like you and I are on the same page in so many ways. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, And just to wrap up, I would love for you to share because I'd love my audience to know more about your work and what you're up to. Can you share uh, anything with them about what's coming up for you over the next couple of months and where people can find out more about you? Absolutely. So there's so much that is changing and I honestly am not totally clear on what I'm going to offer because I am completely changing things this year. Mm. But what I do know is um, I do a weekly podcast uh, which I am probably going to be doing some guests on as well, Connie. So you will have to come and hang out with me. Awesome. Um, <laughs> we're, we're reaching our two-year mark, and wow. it has been fantastic. And I would love for you guys to find us on either iTunes or Stitcher. You can actually go to my website, which is thejoyjunkie.com. And if you click on podcast, you can find out all the information. It's free. It's weekly. But while you're there, I also have a free, um, it's like an ebook, but it's also um, an audio as well. So you can pick which one resonates with you. And it's called Stand Up for Yourself Without Being a Dick. 
And, and it's proven strategies that I use all the time in my work to radically boost your self-love and self-confidence. And they're, they're designed to be little implementable daily challenges. You don't have to start at the beginning. You don't have to read it chronologically. You just pick one that resonates and you flex this muscle of self-confidence and self-love. Um, and again, you can do it, you know, with the, with the ebook version, or you can do it with the audio. I would love for you guys to go cruise by the site and grab your copy. And then you'll hear all about the podcasts and everything, anything that's juicy that's coming up. So amazing. Thank you so much for your time. It's been so awesome chatting to you. And I know that people are going to get so much value out of this conversation. Um, yeah, so many incredible takeaways. And, um, and I hope to connect with you again soon. I'd love to come on your show. So um, let's, let's definitely stay in touch about that. That sounds wonderful. And thank you so much for reaching out and having me. Oh. Um, I'm, it's just such a blessing. It's so amazing when you meet like-minded people all across the globe. Oh, it just yeah. blows my mind. I love it. And here's Skype and we can chat across the, across the world and it's awesome. Love it. And it's a different day where you are. I that know. just blows my mind. <laughs> that blows my mind. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's been tuned into this week's episode of Awaken Radio. And I will catch you next time. Bye. <laughs>